This is the message from Connection Community Church for Holy Thursday, April 13th, 2017. Broken. Welcome. I'll be your narrator this evening. Tonight is Holy Thursday, a night of brokenness. Tonight, we remember the broken bread of Jesus' last meal with his disciples. Tonight, we remember the broken trust that led to Jesus' arrest by authorities. Tonight, we remember the broken promises of those closest to Jesus, how they betrayed him and denied him. We light a candle this evening, a Christ candle, a symbol of Christ's presence here with us tonight. It's a symbol that throughout our brokenness, despite our brokenness, Christ is still with us. Tonight, we will also look ahead to what happened the following day, Good Friday. How ironic to call it that, since that was the day that Jesus was beaten and hung on a cross to die. Let us begin. The festival of unleavened bread, also called Passover, was fast approaching. The religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus, but they were fearful of the reaction of the crowds. They were therefore delighted when Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, offered to betray Jesus to them, breaking his relationship with the Savior. They promised him 30 pieces of silver. He agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so that he could be arrested when the crowds were not around. Judas broke his relationship with Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, the cost of a slave in Jesus' day. What about you? Have you ever broken your relationship with Christ? For what? What was your price? A house? A car? A relationship? Let's think about that for a minute. Hi, I'm John, one of Jesus' disciples. 
It was time for the annual celebration of our freedom from slavery under Pharaoh, the festival of unleavened bread. It's a celebration when we broke free from slavery, when we left in such a hurry the bread didn't have time to rise. We remember a night when a, a lamb was sacrificed and blood was rubbed on the doors so that death would pass over our homes on that last night. As death visited the firstborn throughout Egypt, even Pharaoh's son. He was a broken man after that, causing him to set us free. So Jesus sent Peter and me to prepare this Passover meal. We had no place to meet. So Jesus told us to go into Jerusalem, and a man carrying a pitcher of water would meet us. We were to follow him into a house, and we were to say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where we can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Jesus told us that he would take us upstairs to a large room already set up. We followed the directions, and everything was just as he said, and we prepared the meal. When the time came, we sat down together at the table, and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I will not eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this, share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Good evening. And so we will celebrate the Last Supper, Holy Communion, here this evening. To start that, we're going to do it at table, so please take the little sanitizer and pass it around, please. And while you're doing that, and we're going to need one person at each table who will function as the host. So please select that person.
You know, as we um, just washed up, so to speak, we're going to take a moment to kind of wash up our souls as well. We call it a prayer of confession. It's an opportunity to, to just kind of straight up with God say, this is what's coming between us. It's my junk. So we're going to take just a couple minutes. I'll start the prayer, and then you can pray to God. That sin in your life, that junk, that stuff that's coming between you and God, keeping you from fully realizing that all God has for you. As we say so many times on Sunday, and when we come with our hands full of junk, it's hard to be, uh, have them open to receive what God wants us to receive. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most holy God, please help us to, be, to open up and to just share with you what we need to share. Please help us to, to, uh, to just talk with you about the the sin in our life, the sin that's coming between us and you. And Lord, please help us to, to be able to let that sin go and to realize your forgiveness as we share that with you. Lord, please hear our prayer. Hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Consecrate. Go ahead and consecrate that. Holy Spirit, we ask your blessing upon this bread and this juice. May they be for us a means to your grace, an opening to your unconditional love. As we participate, as we focus on what you've done for us by making this journey to the cross. Almighty God, we don't deserve it, but that is how, love, how your love runs so deep and so wide. Thank you for coming into the world to redeem the world, trading your life for ours sinless you were and so sinful we are and lord you have made a way for us to be with you forever and so in jesus name we thank you and praise you as we participate in this holy meal amen amen so would the host please take the bread unwrap it and follow Carrie's lead as we break the bread and raise the juice. And so on that, that night, as John just shared with us, Jesus took the bread, the Passover bread. He gave thanks to God for the bread, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body given for you. Take eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Just set the bread down for a second. Take the juice. Uncover the juice. Take the cup and lift it, please. After supper, Jesus took the cup, raised it, 
gave thanks to God the Father. He gave the, offered the cup to his disciples. He says, this is the new covenant of my blood. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you drink this, remember me. And so Christ invites all of us to his table this, this evening. We put you in kind of community tables, family tables, small opportunities to just share in this meal in a more intimate way. And so if the host would start and offer, uh, take a piece of the bread and give it to the next person and just go around the table. And we do that because we don't take Christ. Christ offers himself to us. So offer the bread, a piece of bread to your neighbor, and then pass it around and just hang on to it until we get to the cup. And as you do that, say, the body of Christ given for you. 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 Body of Christ given for you, Bonnie. And then if the host would take the cup and offer to the person next to you that they might dip the bread in, and the words you would offer that person are the blood of Christ shed for you. And just share that as we go around the table. you take the bread that remains, please uh, fold the napkin back over it and please put the napkin back over the cup.
and watch the candle on the table with the napkin on the cup, <laughs> please. <laughs> and uh, please join me in prayer. Our most holy God, we just thank you. We celebrate the opportunity to share in this Last Supper celebration, in this holy communion, this opportunity to share in the body and blood of Christ. Please help us this night of all nights to be aware, to be tuned in, to be just completely sensitive to, to Christ's last hours, his arrest, and the steps he took to the cross for each of us here. Most holy God, please help us to stay open. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'm Andrew, one of the 12. The strangest thing happened during the meal. Jesus got up, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash and dry our feet. Now, this was normally the job of the house servant, but since this was a borrowed space, there was no servant there. Jesus, the holy man that had followed for three years, our rabbi, our teacher, the anointed one, the Messiah, he humbled himself on his knees and washed our feet. I've never been so humbled in my life. I didn't know what to say or even do. I was broken, completely broken by this absolute act of humility, of servanthood, offered by the greatest man I had ever known. When he finished, he put his tunic back on, returned to his place, and explained what he had done. He said that we call him teacher and Lord, and rightly so. As such, when he washed our feet, we as his students, the lesson was then for us to break down our own pride and to humbly wash one another's feet, as he had done for us. He set the example that we should do as he had done. I'll never forget, none of us should. Jesus came to serve, not be served. He is our model. I guess the question that we should always ask ourselves, are we allowing ourselves to be broken of our pride to the point of serving, or are we waiting to be served? How about you? Is your pride broken enough to serve? If so, where? And how? Think about that for a minute.
It's strange what happened next. At least it was strange for me. I'm Peter, Simon Peter. Jesus turned to me and told me to stay on my toes. He said that Satan was trying to separate all of us from him, like chaff from wheat. He said that he prayed for me in particular, that I'd be, that I would not give in and I would not give out. He said that I'd be tested. And when it came through the testing, that I could give my brothers here strength. I assured him. I promised him that I was ready for anything with him, that I'd go to jail for him, that I'd even be willing to die for him. And then he said something that broke through my prideful self-assurance. He said that even before the rooster crows in the morning, that I would deny even knowing him, not once, not twice, but three times. Three times, for heaven's sake. I felt broken in spirit. Put yourself in my place. How would you like it if Jesus said that to you? That you would deny even knowing him, and that you do it three times. Would you feel broken like I did? I wonder, though, have you? Have you turned your back on him, denied him? Maybe it was by what you said, or maybe it was by what you didn't have the guts to say. Think about it, and pray for forgiveness, strength, and courage. Pray for restoration for your brokenness. Jesus and the disciples then went to the Mount of Olives to pray. He walked about a stone's throw away and knelt and began, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. An angel appeared to him and gave him strength. He prayed even harder, so hard that he was sweating droplets of blood. When he finished, he went back to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. He asked why they were asleep and then told them to get up and pray, not to give in to temptation. We are all weak to temptation. I am. You are. What is your greatest weakness? What is it that can break you? 
It's important to pray that you will not give in to it. Take a minute now to offer that prayer. Pray for strength. Pray for courage. As Jesus was saying this, a crowd came, Judas leading them. He greeted Jesus with a kiss, and Jesus questioned if this would be the way that he would betray the Son of Man. When we saw what was happening, we asked Jesus, should we fight? We had swords with us. Somebody cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. And with that, Jesus said, no more of that. And he touched the man's ear and healed it. Unbelievable. Jesus once again brought restoration. Jesus questioned the religious leaders, wondering why they came with swords and clubs as if he were some revolutionary or something. Why didn't they just arrest him in the temple when they had the chance? But this was their moment when the power of darkness reigned. They came with clubs and swords because they were afraid of Jesus. What is there to be afraid of with Jesus? What is it about Jesus that you fear? Are you afraid of where he might lead you? Afraid of what he might tell you to do? Where he might tell you to go? Take a moment and pray for the strength to overcome the brokenness that fear brings. As I recall, they arrested a man that they called Jesus that night. They led him to the house of the highest priest, and one of his followers, I think they called him Peter, 
followed at a distance. It was chilly that night, and the guards lit a little fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around. This Peter fellow joined them there. I noticed him around. Oh, I noticed him in the firelight and began looking real close at him, staring in fact. Finally, I said to others as I looked at Peter, you know this guy is a follower of Jesus? Peter denied it, claiming he did not, he did not know, even know him. Another guy looked at him and said, that must be one of them. Again, he denied it. About an hour later, someone else insisted that he had to be one of them. He was a Galilean as they were. He shouted out that he didn't even know what they were talking about. While I was still speaking, denying that I knew him, the rooster crowed. And at that very moment, Jesus turned and looked at me. And the words he had shared previously flashed in my mind. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you'll deny three times that you even know me. I had assured him this would not happen. I'd promised. I left the courtyard, and just like the promises I'd made, I was completely broken, crying like I'd never cried before. And the guards in charge of Jesus began mocking him and beating him mercilessly. They blindfolded him and told him to prophesy to them, to tell them which one of them it was that had hit him, all the while hurling horrible insults, demeaning him. He was denied by one of those closest to him, Peter, and mocked and beaten by the guards on behalf of the Jewish leaders. Has someone close to you ever turned on you? Family, close friends, coworkers? Take a minute to consider how broken that made you feel. Do you remember what you did in return? At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, Tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, If I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. They all shouted, so you are claiming to be the son of God. And he replied, you say that I am. Why do we need other witnesses, they said. We ourselves have heard him say it. Then the entire council brought Jesus before me. I'm Pilate. 
the Roman governor, they began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming to be the Messiah, a king. And so I asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. I turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea and from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? I asked, and when they said he was, I sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under his jurisdiction. And Herod just happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. I'm Herod. I was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because I heard about him. I've been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. I asked Jesus question after question, but he refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and teachers of the religious law stood there shouting their accusations at him, trying to break him. Then my soldiers and I began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, we tired of that and put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Funny thing, Pilate and I have been enemies before. But we became friends that day. Herod was hoping that Jesus would perform a miracle on demand. Take a minute and remember if you have ever hoped for a miracle on demand from Jesus. Are you hoping for one right now? What is it? Then I called together the leading priests and other religious leaders, along with all of the people, and I announced my verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. Well, I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence, and I find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. 
So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. Well, then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him, and release Barabbas to us. Well, Barabbas, he was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against my government and for murder. Well, I argued with them because I truly wanted to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time, I demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. I finally broke down, gave in, and I sentenced Jesus to die, just as they had demanded. As they had requested, I released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, and I turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. I'm Simon, Simon from Cyrene. As they led Jesus away, I happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldier seized me and put the cross on me and made me carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have, not, that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others. Both criminals were laid out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes. The crowd watched, and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him, too, by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside, beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it. But the other criminals protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. 
Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus offered a word of restoration. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus asked God the Father to forgive those who killed him, along with those who desired his death. Take a minute and consider this. Who is it that you need to forgive? How broken must you be before that is going to happen? By this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. Knowing that all was now complete, Jesus fulfilled the scriptures by saying, I am thirsty. They gave him a sponge soaked with wine vinegar. Having received the drink, Jesus then said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The barrier that separated the most holy place was broken. When Jesus said, it is finished, what did he mean? His work here was finished? His earthly life was finished? His human pain and suffering were finished? That they had finally broken him and it was all over? He said it was finished, but on the other hand, his ministry was truly just beginning in the hands of the disciples who had been following him for three years. Take a minute and consider this. Is Jesus finished with you? Or is there work yet to be done? Are you finished with what Jesus has called you to do? What's next? What is next? When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was righteous. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, 
they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. They were broken. I was one of those women. I'm Mary, Mary Magdalene. I was there, and I saw the whole thing. A man named Joseph was there, too. And from what I was told, he was a good and righteous man. He was a member of the Jewish High Council, but he did not agree with the decisions and actions of the other religious leaders. He was from a town, from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate, and he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and lovingly wrapped it in a long white linen sheet and placed it in a, newly, a new tomb freshly carved out of the rock. This was done late Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, just as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was being taken away, some friends and I followed, and we saw the tomb where the body was placed. Then we went home and we prepared spices and ointments to anoint the body. But by the time we were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so we rested as required by law. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people.